Mark 4, uh, verses 1 and 2. It says, Jesus began to teach by the lake, and the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. And all the, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, and he taught them many things by parables. I love that setting. Right? I love that setting. It's kind of a, an American kind of setting. Crowds are big. They're so big. Like if you picture it, it's like Sea of Galilee, little breakers, beautiful day, sun's out. Crowds are packed. Jesus steps out in the morning, it says, and he stands by the shore and he begins to teach, but the crowds kept coming. Oh, and that makes every pastor happy. Right? Oh, it's getting big. Jesus had a wife. He would have left. He would have leaned over and said, hey, man, where did all these people come from? But it was, it was him and he by his shore. People came and he was teaching them in parables. And scripture says that it got so big that he had to crawl into a boat and he pushed offshore. And he kept teaching. And I wonder what it would have been like. And I love the picture because I love big crowds. Big crowds symbolize, oh, you're special. Big crowds symbolize that you got something to say. Big, big crowds are also like they kind of are perpetual motion machines. If you've ever been in a big crowd, in a big church, in a big conference, in a big concert, it's just like it, the energy that happens when a group of people get together is amazing. Like, oh, I love big crowds. And, and you, you could like picture the lights if it was modern day. And I began to think, it's like, what if Jesus came here at 23? Like, what if Jesus came, we got on the phone, we answered the phone, it's like, hey, 23, yeah, this is Jesus. Like, who? Jesus. Jesus. I'll be there Sunday. Like, you're going to what? Going to be there Sunday. And we would gather all the elders and all the leaders and everybody. It's like, what are we going to do? Jesus is going to show up on Sunday. We got to get a better, bigger venue because, I mean, Jesus is coming here and here's too small. So we got to actually have some place that can house all the people that want to meet this, this teacher, this, this son of God. This soon, They didn't know who he was, but he was like this amazing pastor guy, teacher guy. And so he comes and we get a meeting and we're like, okay, we got to rent out Union Colony. Can't meet at 23 because 23 is too small. There's 200 seats here. People will like sit in the wrong seat and make all y'all mad because we'll have visitors. Like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Let's go to Union Colony where everybody, it's a free-for-all. And then someone will go, how many people does Union Colony seat? Like 2,000 or so people? Like that's not going to be big enough. We need to go someplace else. What's close? Budweiser Event Center. And then somebody that was really righteous would go, I can't meet at the Budweiser Event Center. Jesus can't show up at a convention center named Budweiser. That's going to be bad. It'll make all the religious people upset, so where could we go? Well, there's not even any place close in northern Colorado to house Jesus. Let's go to the Pepsi Center. We could book out the Pepsi Center. We'd call Jesus back and ask for another week. Because you'd have to get the marketing together and the social media would be a buzz. And we'd get news people going, Jesus is coming. And then someone would go like, I think we could hit Invesco or Mile High. 75,000 people. Jesus in the middle teaching parables. Oh, that would be awesome. 
Because crowds are cool, man. You see, if, if I'm in 75,000 people, I can sit in the back. If I'm with, on the shore that day, I can be in the crowd in the back. I can kind of listen and observe and, and, and enjoy being a spectator. And then I can go on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and I can go, hashtag Jesus 2019, mile high. I was there. And everybody that wasn't there would be like, how was it? I was like, oh my God, it was amazing. You should have seen it. We had Jesus culture and then Bethel music came up and then Elevation came up and T.D. Jakes introduced him and then Stephen Furtek took the offering and then we gave Jesus like 30 minutes. It was the most amazing thing ever. It's kind of our version of church. And yet, what's interesting about that story, it says in verse 10. It says, later when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. Later, after all the riffraff went away, after everybody ended up going to downtown Denver and talking about what they just heard from Jesus and They try to get out of Mile High parking lot after all that. So he went with his friends. And that's who the disciples were. Scripturally, that's who the disciples were. They were his friends. And as friends, they began to ask him, like, hey, what do you mean? And out of everything in Scripture, that intrigues me because if we, if we take it into today, what would that be? That'd be Jesus sitting in the backyard with us. We'd have somebody seven, who makes a good seven-layer bean dip? Somebody does. Okay, back there, right? Levina's potato salad would be on the, on the counter. We'd have to get George barbecuing, because I don't know if you know this, but George is like the master at smoking meat. He'd be on a barbecue. And there'd be just a group of us and Jesus. And there's no place to hide in that one. Right? I can't sit on level five and look down and go, man, I wonder if he's there. I, I can't even be in a box seat and have people serve me. It's like, he's in my backyard. He's hanging with my friends. He's hanging with us. Drew Claus would probably make a joke, inappropriately, of course. He would would probably go in the cooler and go, oh, Jesus, we're out of drinks. You want me to bring any water for you? Some of you caught that one. But you imagine that day. You imagine being on the shores that day. Being one of the crowd. And then that same day, going hanging with the master. 
And he sits down and he, and, he, and he shares over whatever they were doing. And I like the, the picture of, and we're just in the backyard barbecuing, drinking sodas, eating chips, laughing. And you know that there would be laughter because we would all get together and there would be kids. And one kid would go up to Christ and, or Jesus and like maybe little Dexter would walk up to Jesus. Jesus would kneel down, whisper something to Dexter run off laughing, going to tell his, all his little buddies, and then there would be a crew of them. And they'd all huddle around Jesus, and probably one of us would be like, hey, 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 kids, kids, go through a play with the dog. Leave them alone. And Jesus would be like, hey, chill out. And he'd get them all together, and they'd run off and giggle, and he would chuckle and laugh. Because Christ in his divinity was also perfect in his humanity. And it says that we, it says that he goes on and explains what he taught. And it says in verse 30 of chapter 4, it says, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? And in that, that intimate setting, in that backyard after we eat George's brisket and Levinus potato salad and Drew Claus's root beer. Jesus looks at us and he goes, what can I tell you that will explain this kingdom that I bring? What can I, what can I tell you that will explain to you in a culture that yearns and loves size and big, supersize me culture? What can I explain to this? And he goes on, it's like a mustard seed, verse 31, planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests. It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. This kingdom of God, this, this kingdom that we yearn to see, this kingdom that we yearn to catch glimpses of, this kingdom that at times we in this country travel to different places to experience. This kingdom that we think is tied to lights and to crowds and to giant venues. That kingdom is like a mustard seed. You see, in I want God's kingdom to be bright and shiny. I want God's kingdom to be huge and mile high-ish. I want God's kingdom to be formal and exclusive and something that if, if CNN and Fox News showed up, they would be on the same platform saying the same thing. Jesus is here. And yet, Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God, who came to earth to set humanity free, says, what shall I say about my kingdom? It starts tiny, man. It's like a mustard seed. You see, in the kingdom of God, small is big. It always has been. You see, we love our perceptions, and yet God cares more about people than he ever has about our perceptions. God cares more about the reality of his kingdom than what our expectations might be. 
He, it seems like when you read scripture as a narrative, as, as story after story, it's always small things that create big things. It never starts gigantic. It starts small. An entire nation began, the nation of Israel began because one man followed the words, leave your father and mother. One dude. A baby was floated down the river, raised up in Pharaoh's household, would lead an entire nation out of slavery. There was another guy that hid in the wine press called Gideon, and he hid from his enemies, and God looks at him and says, Hey, mighty man of valor, come, and he leads a nation to to victory. There's another story where a, a city, a fortified city was was conquered because some water pots were broke. A king was found tending sheep as a child. A boy's lunch turned into 5,000. A boy's lunch turned into a banquet. So much food was left over that they, 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 they gathered it all back together. It was like Chipotle at Rachel's wedding. There's just... Bounds of stuff left over. I saw that in my, our fridge today. I said, oh, we're having chipotle today. A woman with two coins drops it in the offering plate. And Jesus tells his, the story of her great generosity. Small things. You see, it's always been, it's been small things. We pray for loved ones who we want instantaneous and it's always just small things we we yearn for God's majestic touch we yearn for a a miracle it's always small things the kingdom of God is a place where small is big it's like a mustard seed planted in the ground And we have to fight the urge to romanticize the audience that day because if we romanticize the audience that day in Mark 4, then we miss the opportunity to interject ourselves in the same audience. You see, we look at the disciples post-resurrection, post-Acts 2, and yet Mark 4, they're just a bunch of dudes, people getting by, trying to figure out what they do. Yes, they were obedient. Yes, they left their profession. But they had some twisted thinking. They, they believed that God's kingdom would be like humanity's kingdom, that it would come big and shiny, that the Messiah would come and, and overthrow Roman government, that the Messiah would come as a, as a, as a warlord, as a, as a conquering warrior king, and set everybody free in a political system, and yet they could not see how a, how a carpenter's son from Nazareth would, would set an entire world free because that's just too small and you see over and over again where they said who is this Jesus who is this isn't that Mary's boy isn't that Joseph's buddy isn't that isn't that a carpenter isn't that that guy's from Nazareth what good can come out of that but in the kingdom of God small is always big you see that's what gives us hope because when we romanticize the disciples when we romanticize scripture it's like I can't be that But I can be the guy that's like, hey, Jesus, can I talk to you for a second? Like, yeah, Dave, what do you want? You know, I've been following you a lot lately. Gave up my fishing. Gave up my profession. 
when you become important, can I sit by you? Can I, can I have the power that I sense in you? But in God's kingdom, it's just small things, tiny things. Small is, is always, always big. And I think when he told that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed planted in the ground, he addressed something in them that we all struggle with, and that was their insecurity because they had left everything. They had left their livelihood. They had left their families, and they did indeed have the the wherewithal and the devotion to follow this Jesus, and yet we read constantly about them going back and saying, man, what about this and what about this? And he goes, Look, let me tell you something. This kingdom that I'm a part of is is not like the kingdom that you hope for or dream of. It's so, so much more. And I think when he told them that, that his kingdom was like a mustard seed that was planted in the ground, He was looking at them. It's like, I know you're insignificant now, and I know you have doubts now, and I know you have worries now. But someday this this little thing that I've planted in your heart will germinate, and you'll change the world. This, this, This wrong thinking that you have now will change, and you will write letters to churches all over the world that will still be written. But it just has to start small. We look at our lives and our experiences and our faith and our churches. We go, we're nothing. We're significant. We're small. We made too many mistakes or too many errors, too many empty seats. Our friends don't hear us when we talk about Christ. My words never seem to matter. My prayers never seem to be heard. My my dreams never seem to be come to fruition. My hopes always seem to be deferred. This small guy. I'm just a mechanic or a stay-at-home mom or a laborer or a truck driver or a business owner. I'm, I'm, I'm really nothing like those guys. I'm, I'm small. I'm insignificant. I live in a small town where everyone makes fun of because everybody thinks it smells like a walking cow. Right? The kingdom of God always begins small. But in that, it begins to grow. All that it takes is a little bit. That's it. It doesn't take an inordinate amount of faith to have prayers heard. It just takes a little faith. It only takes a little prayer to see healings happen. It doesn't take great verbose words. It, it, God, can you touch? Can you heal? It doesn't take this big giant conference to have our neighbors and our friends come to Christ. All it takes is, hey, can I, 
I can tell you about this Jesus that I fell in love with. You see, the kingdom of God always starts small. Because God always uses the weak things in the world and the insignificant things of the world to confound the important and the wise and the smart. He uses, uses people like me and you. Just folks. But it is in the midst of that that we have the greatest of hope because it is in the midst of these, these small things, right? Small churches, small events, small Faith, small, everything that God just needs a little glimmer, man. Just a little glimmer. And it becomes amazing. Discount yourself all you want. Look at the life God's called you to. Look at the, the dreams that you've had that have been broken. Look at all those things that you have said. And like, I am insignificant. I am small. I am never going to be what I thought God called me to be. And stop for a moment and realize that what shall we say Jesus says to you? The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. That's it. Just start. And what you will see is you will see the majesty of God made present, not because you have found a method that has tapped this, this insecure power, but you are simply a child going before a dad saying, help. The kingdom of God is always where, where big is small. That's why Isaiah writes that my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I look at that when the world doesn't make sense to me. And that's happened a lot in my life lately. I looked at my life and, 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 and where it's heading and the country that I live in, and I'm like, none of this makes sense. And then I look at Virginia Beach, where I was just graduated from and saw another 11 people shot. And I'm like, what is wrong, man? Like, God, where are you at? Where are you at in our families and in our towns and in our, in our nations and our politics and our rhetoric where are you at and he whispered Dave you know my ways aren't your ways and and I used to take that like like I was just an idiot like if I prayed hard enough or listened more then somehow God would bring revelation to me that I could make sense of the chaos that is humanity right now and yet anymore I listen to that and go my ways are not your ways is it's my greatest hope Because while I can't figure out what's going on, I know that nothing surprises him. And that though I want a transformation and a reformation for this nation and this city where I yearn for growth, not for growth's sake, but because the kingdom of God would be expanded and I want to see churches planted, not to make myself famous, but because it is the greatest, most effective way to bring people to Christ. And I find hope in the fact that, Dave, my ways are not your ways. Why? Because my ways were small as big. Well, it just takes some willing folks. It takes some courage to speak. It takes 
Courage to see beyond what is accepted. Bridges gaps. So this morning, what shall we say then? What is this kingdom of God that we talk about like? It's like a mustard seed. All that you need is a little bit, just one little tiny step, man. One little tiny step. And so this week, don't do anything more than just take a little tiny step. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and make a phone call when he quickens to you to someone. Send a text when he brings someone to mind. Pray for a loved one. You don't know what to do. This one tiny step. And what that will create will create a kingdom that will grow so big that it will shelter people in desperate need of comfort, in desperate need of protection, in desperate need of the eternal in a world that is broke. Each one of you that profess faith in Christ, just a tiny little step. And you can see, and this is what I believe with all my heart, and then I will close with prayer. Greeley will change. Colorado will change. The United States will change. And this world will change. And Jesus will come back. Because the kingdom of God is here. On earth. As it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Stand up with me.